Hi there, I'm Nicole Gilbert, and you've joined the Stop Scrolling, Start Sewing podcast. Are you new to sewing and want to start quilting but have no idea where to begin? Each Wednesday, join me as I share the ins and outs of that quilt life. If you don't have a sewing machine, have no idea how much fabric you need, or you're just trying to figure out where the heck to stick that bobbin, this is the podcast for you. Hey folks, Nicole here, and welcome to episode 46 of the Stop Scrolling, Start Sewing podcast. I am so happy that you're here with me today. Setting up your sewing machine for quilting can be one of the biggest hurdles for those that want to start quilting, but aren't quite sure where to begin. And it really doesn't have to be. In today's episode, I'll break down the different tools and settings you'll need in order to turn the sewing machine you have into the ultimate quilting machine. Okay, guys, let's get sewing. But Nicole, I don't think I have a good enough sewing machine to quilt with. Or, Nicole, I can't afford $5,000 for a machine. I'm never going to be able to quilt. When people slide into my inbox or DMs with these kinds of statements, I get so excited because I know something that they don't. I know that you can totally quilt with the machine you already have or with the machine that will cost a few hundred, not a few thousand dollars. And a lot of the ideas I'm going to share with you today are small and free tweaks that will make a big difference. So before I start with what you can do with your machine, let's start with what you can do with your workspace. A lot of the issues that people run into that make them really frustrated with quilting on their domestic sewing machines has nothing to do with the machine itself and everything to do with their setup. So here's a few things that you can do or change or keep in mind uh, so that you kind of know in the future what you should be doing. So first, this one's more of a preference thing, but I think for me it's a game changer and I think it could be for you as well, um, is to start with a flatbed sewing table. Now, of course, not everybody has the space or room to have a designated sewing table, so I get it. Uh, but what a flatbed sewing table is, is a, the type of sewing table where when you put your sewing machine in it, the bed of your sewing machine is flush with the tabletop. So it's like one seamless flat surface. Um, the reason why this is such a huge thing is that when you're quilting, especially when you get into larger quilts, crib size quilts, not really that big of a deal. Lap size can start to be a little tricky, but twins, queens, kings, they get heavy. And they the weight of what you're trying to push through the machine will hang. And every place where the quilt has to kind of move upwards will be a drag point. And that drag point will be so difficult. It will, I mean, it'll give your upper arms a workout. It will 
uh, potentially make your stitches kind of go a little wonky because you're trying to keep a hand on the quilt, use your other hand to lift, and every way that we can minimize one more place where the quilt has to lift, the better. So a flatbed sewing machine table can be incredibly helpful. And they don't have to be. So my sewing machine table, first of all, my sewing machine table, even though it's a big mama jama, uh, cost us like less than 100 bucks, and my husband built it. So again, just because something looks great doesn't mean it was super expensive. That being said, you could go the route of like getting a huge kangaroo cabinet and spend a couple grand, but I don't think that that's what we need to do, not for the, the purpose of this conversation. Um, but another thing, if you're not handy, you don't have somebody who's handy in your life to make you a sewing machine table, um, you can always go with something like the Arrow Gidget. Um, or I know at Joanne Fabrics they sell one uh, that is super, super awesome. And it is very small. It's foldable, which is great for those of you who are uh, low on space. Uh, so you can kind of like fold it up, slide it under the bed, put it in a closet. I actually had one of these. Um back in the day and it was great so I could set up my sewing machine when I was going to use it I could put it away when I wasn't going to use it uh, but it does provide you that flatbed surface uh, but it is a smaller table uh, but again less than a hundred dollars and if you went to like Joann's on Black Friday you would get it for like a song um, and I will link to it in the show notes and actually I will link to all of these things in the show notes as well as um give you a uh, guide to download. So if you go to the show notes, uh, NicoleGilbertQuilts.com slash episode dash 46, you'll also be able to download kind of all of this information I'm giving you in a PDF guide as well. So that'll be great. But anyway, I digress. So that's the flatbed sewing machine table. Now, if you don't have that option, like you're like, I cannot invest in a table, I do not have the space for a table, like not an option. A sewing machine extension table might be helpful for you. Now, it's still going to, you're still going to have like a couple of inches lift from the table surface to the bed of your machine. But what a sewing machine extension table does is it makes your machine bed wider and longer so that you can basically butt up the end of that sewing machine table with the end of your table. And so it kind of mimics your machine being set into it. Um, and a lot of machines come with them. Now, they come at different sizes. So um, I have a entry-level brother sewing machine that I've had forever. It was uh, my first sewing machine. I love it. Um, I don't really quilt on it anymore. I don't really use it anymore uh, because I've upgraded since. Uh, however, I'm not getting rid of that thing because, you know, my my big machine has to go to the shop sometimes and I still want to quilt. Anyway, that machine came with an extension table. And so what the extension table is, it's like a little thing that clips onto the bed. It's got little feet. Usually they're on like springs that like pop out. Um, and it just makes your bed a little bit larger. So I want to say that extension table, uh, don't quote me on this because I'm not 100% sure, but I'll put it in the show notes. Um, 
is probably about like 12 inches by 18 inches. But on a small brother machine that you buy at a big box store, that actually extends the table, the the bed size, quite a bit. Now, to put that in comparison to you, I also, my current machine that I use every single day that is amazing and I would suggest to anybody who can invest in a larger sewing machine is a Janome M7 Continental. Um, And the extension bed that came with it, which I don't use because I do have a a designated sewing table, uh, but the extension bed that came with it is like two feet by three feet. It's huge. So um, you'll get different extension tables with your machines. But if you're interested in purchasing a more entry-level machine, uh, keep an eye out for those that come with an extension table because that can also be a huge game changer for you. Now, here goes some great ways to fudge um, having extra large table. So the reason why you like an, or when I say you, I mean me and really any quilters, like an extra large sewing table um, is that it holds the weight of your quilt. So remember I was saying that your quilt, when you're trying to quilt it, it will drag because it's hanging. So the less amount that you can have hanging, the better. Um, it will make your life so much easier. So when you have a very large table, you can put a lot of the quilt up on the table and now it's not hanging. And so now you don't have that, you know, gravity is not working against you and causing drag because that drag is what's going to mess up your stitches. That drag is what's going to make your hand sore. That drag is what's going to make your arm sore. And honestly, that drag is what's going to make a lot of your quilting not pleasurable. And that kind of defeats the point of a hobby. So extra large sewing tables. Now, a way to get around having an extra large sewing table if you don't have one is one, use your extension table on your machine and put your machine on top of your dining room table and set up your machine in a position on the dining room table that you have tons of room behind the machine and to the left of the machine. And so that will give you a place to keep your quilt as you're moving it through your machine. Another option is to take like those super inexpensive card tables that we all have in our garage that we like set out for outdoor barbecues and stuff. Pop that up next to the table that your machine is on. Again, to the left of your seat. Um to the left of your seat, kind of creating an L shape around you. And that is another place that you can put your uh, your quilt and that will keep it up off of the ground and kind of counterbalance some of that drag. Um, I've also seen people use their ironing boards. I mean, get creative, get scrappy, but it can be done. And notice that all of the options I'm giving you thus far are things you already have in your home. You don't need to invest in more. You can, you know, if you want to go out and buy a new sewing machine table, go for it. But if that's not in the cards for you right now, that doesn't mean you can't do this. That's that's the biggest takeaway I want you guys to have right now. Just because you cannot make larger investments does not mean that it precludes you from participating. Okay. So now we've done, you know, keeping our quilts up. Um, 
Another great thing that you can do is setting your tables up in a corner or against a wall so that your quilt doesn't flop off of the table on the other side. So once you have pushed your quilting through, at some point you're going to have a lot of quilted fabric on the other side of your machine, away from you, already done. And that's going to start pulling in the opposite direction, which will start, you know, gravity, it's a tricky, tricky thing, my friend. Um, It will start making your stitches wonky and crazy. So we don't want that. So if you set up against a wall, what will happen is the quilt will just start to puddle against the wall and bunch itself up, which is great. Now, again, if you're on a tiny table, where your machine is only six inches from the wall, this can be problematic, not going to lie, because it will start to bunch up and then it'll be pushed up against the back of your machine and then you don't have any room left to put um, your quilt through. So keep that in mind. I have a larger machine machine table, so my table is about four feet deep and my machine is all the way at the edge. So I've got about three feet behind my machine, uh, which is helpful. Uh, But again, if you can't put it up against the wall, maybe instead of when you get to a certain point, you take that folding table or ironing board that you kept to your left to hold the fabric on before it went through the machine, and you shift it around to the other side. So now it's catching the fabric that's on the other end. And if you have just tons of ironing boards and folding tables, you can set them up all over the place. Um, I've done it. My husband thinks I look like a crazy person when I did it. Didn't care because I was having fun. And he could go hang around in the garage if he wanted to. Um, So that's some things that you can do with your workspace to make it more enjoyable. And I will say that drag, that gravity drag, that's what I'm going to refer to it as. I'm sure that's not exactly what people would call it, but whatever. Um, That gravity drag is a large portion of what makes quilting on a domestic machine uh, not cool. Okay. Now that we've talked about your workspace, let's talk about setting up your machine like actual settings and things to use on your machine because you would actually be amazed at what you can do with your machine. Now, I do have to preface this with you will hit limitations with some entry-level machines. When you are patchwork piecing, you're good to go. Honestly, you're good to go. However, once we get to the quilting portion, what happens is you now have your backing layer of fabric, you have your batting, and you have your top layer of fabric. So now we've gone from two thin pieces of fabric getting sewed together to a sandwich. And depending on the batting that you're using, some of that batting can be tough to get through. So I'm not saying that you cannot quilt with entry-level machines. You absolutely can. However, there is going to be an upper limit for how thick of a materials that your machine can get through um, and consistency because your machines will potentially get heated up. So first, let me let me talk about that a little bit more, your machine getting heated up because that's like, whoa, what's going on here? So 
when you are patchwork piecing, you are typically sewing like five or six inches or less at a time. Besides when you're actually like doing the final seams, like piecing together your rows um, for your quilt top. Um, You're doing just a few inches at a time and then you're giving your machine a break because you're doing a few inches you're stopping for a couple seconds and then setting up the next piece if you're chain piecing. Or if you're not chain piecing, you're giving your machine a considerable break in between sets because you're snipping them, you're taking them to your ironing board, you're pressing your seams, you're putting that block to the side, and then you're moving on to the next piece. And so your machine is not actually working needle up and down uh, for more than a few seconds at a time. And you're giving it breaks in between. When you're quilting, that does not happen. You will be running, let's say you're just straight line quilting, stitch in the ditch, stitch by the ditch, some, you know, very basic echo quilting. All of these things will have you continuously quilting for several minutes at a time, which is very different than patchwork quilting. And different machines have different motors And the motors have only so much life in them um, as far as how much they can work in one session. And you may have already guessed this. The more introductory your machine is, the smaller and weaker your motor. Again, doesn't mean you can't do it, but you have to have some concessions of what you can do. Have you ever been to like a tailor I always think of my husband uh, is in the military, as many of you know, and we will have to go to what's called clothing and sales. And there's always this room in the back with like four women at industrial jukey sewing machines, and they're just ripping through all this fabric, like, and it's, it's nonstop. Those machines are beasts. The brother that you get off of the shelf at a big box store that's less than $150 is not a beast. You cannot think that you're going to sit down at the beginning of a day and do eight hours of quilting, not patchwork piecing, quilting, and it's going to be pain-free on that machine because it's not. It's going to overheat. You may potentially get skip stitches. This is the name of the game. doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means that while somebody who has a machine with a larger motor can sit down and quilt for three hours straight without stopping, you might not get that amount. The amount of quilting they get done in that in that three-hour session, it might take you three days because you're going to quilt for a half an hour, give your machine a break, go get a snack, whatever, quilt for a half an hour, go get a machine, go get a snack, take a break, whatever. And it's going to take you a little bit more because you have to let your machine rest. So that is kind of what I'm saying with that as far as motor and power. Um, And by giving your machine those rests and those breaks, you're going to avoid the overheating issue, the skip stitches issue, all of those kinds of things. Um, and and skip stitches come from so many different things. Dull needles, wonky thread, wonky tension. Like all of these things can create skip stitches. I'm just saying in reference to your motor. Um, so all of that to say, 
You can absolutely quilt with some of your more introductory machines. You just have to make concessions. That's all. Not a huge deal. And honestly, when I think about it, when I had a more introductory level machine, um, I was working full time. Uh, my husband was deployed. I had a lot of stuff going on in my life that I really didn't have eight hours to sit down and bust out on my machine. So you might not even notice it depending on your lifestyle. Now I would notice it, but it's mostly because I'm like, guys, this is what I do. This is what I do for a living. Um, And so I'm at my machine a lot, like a lot, a lot. So it's different. Okay. So setting up your machine for quilting. I know that was so, it was, I mean, I'm, you know me, I go on tangents. So first we are going to start with um, actual attachments and adjustments that you can make to your machine. So with the attachments, now we all know with patchwork piecing, a quarter inch foot is incredibly helpful to maintain uh, a regular seam allowance. Now there are two different feet that I suggest you look into. Um, and again, they will depend on what your machine uses. So if you have a regular plain old sewing machine that doesn't have any bells or whistles, your regular, um, it's, I mean, on a brother, I want to say it's an A foot, um, is all you need. Uh, and no, I take that back. You're going to need a walking foot. I'm thinking of my Janome right now, which is a totally different beast, or my Faf, which is a totally different beast. Okay, so you're going to need a walking foot. And so with the walking foot, the actual foot itself looks pretty normal. It looks like an A foot. But what happens is it's got this little plastic, sometimes they're circular, sometimes they're round, uh, sometimes they're oval, um, on the back of it, like attached to the shank of the foot. Um, and what it does is it allows the fab the the foot to hop. And the reason why you want that is that when your fabric is as thick as it's going to be when you're putting together a quilt sandwich, because remember, we've got the two layers of fabric, the top and the back, and then we've got the batting in between. Your feed dogs, which are those little metal teeth on your footbed that raise and lower to move your fabric through, if you have just a regular presser foot that's just pressing down and those feed dogs are moving with how thick it is, the top fabric isn't going to move with those feed dogs and you're going to end up with crumples and rumples. No bueno. Uh, and so what a walking foot does is it, allow, it allows it to hop and that hopping mixed with the motion of your feed dogs will evenly move your fabric through your machine so that you can get neat stitches. Now, if your machine did not come with a walking foot, which is totally fine, a lot of machines don't come with walking feet, you can find them on Amazon, you can find them at uh, your local quilt shops, you can find them at uh, Joanne Fabrics. Um, and again, I will include notes uh, in the sh- blah, blah, blah. I will include links in the show notes for that. So that's that's a walking foot. Now, some machines have something called like dual feed foot feet. Uh, I'm thinking about my Janome. 
Uh, and so what that is, is your walking foot is moving and then the dual feed foot, which is kind of like a walking foot, but it's got like, it's almost like its own set of feed dogs on it. So instead of just hopping, it's actually grabbing and moving the fabric the exact same way that the feed dogs are uh, for a even better like walking foot situation. Now, some machines, uh, like I'm thinking of my old uh, FAF Creative Vision, and I say old, but it was probably like a 10 or 15-year-old machine at this point, uh, but I I, I, I uh, traded it in for my Janome last year. Um, but that one actually had a built-in walking foot. So I didn't have to do anything when I wanted a quilt. It just did it. Just click a button and it did it, which was kind of awesome. Um, so if you're in the market for something that's a little bit more set it and forget it, uh, the FAF has a great uh, built-in system for that. Um, so that is for just straight line stitching. Now, if you want to... Um, free motion quilt. One, you have to make sure that your sewing machine allows you to drop the feed dogs. And again, those feed dogs are those little metal teeth on your sewing machine beds. You want to make sure that your machine will allow you to drop it. Very entry-level machines will not allow that. So keep that in mind, like super entry-level, like less than $100 machines won't usually won't do that. Um, now, dropping the feed dogs is important because in free motion quilting, you and you alone are in charge of how that fabric moves underneath your needle. So the feed dogs are not feeding it through. Uh, your hands are moving the machine and ha are moving the fabric. And how fast you move that fabric is also going to regulate how long a stitch you do. So there's, there's, there's a learning curve at free motion quilting. I don't really suggest... Uh, I take that back. I always suggest that everybody try everything because, like, what are we doing here? It's a hobby. Try it. Uh, but if you haven't straight line quilt yet, please do that before you try free motion quilting uh, because there's there's some learning curves and things that you can kind of get under your belt so that that's not what's keeping you from free motion quilting. Okay. Moving back to what I was saying. So you want to be able to make sure that your feed dogs will drop. So that's one thing. Then you'll want to use a darning foot um, or an echo foot. So a darning foot is the one with a spring around it. And it's usually got some sort of plastics or metal circular eyelet uh, for a foot. And it hops as you're as you're going your free motion quilting um an echo foot is very similar except that the actual foot part itself is usually some sort of uh concave plastic disc and that kind of allows it to go over humps and lumps and it also creates great markings on the foot that allows you to see kind of distance from your previous line because you are free motion so you are like a hundred percent in charge and by seeing those markings on the foot it will allow you to measure out the distance between your stitches or your stitch lines not your individual stitches um you'll also whether you're free motion quilting or you are straight line quilting, you will want to use the needle down function. Now, 
Not all sewing machines have needle down. Again, your very entry-level machines will usually not have a needle down position. Now, what a needle down function does is every time you stop, you lift your foot off that pedal, instead of the needle lifting up and out of your fabric, it stays down in the fabric, which holds it in place, which is huge when you are quilting because then you don't end up with like wonky lines. Um and it's, I mean, it's a must for free motion quilting, for sure. Now, something else to keep in mind is adjusting your stitch length on your quilt. Uh, a longer stitch length for uh, straight line quilting will be incredibly helpful and it will keep you from having a lot of frustration because when you use a shorter the the depth of the quilt sandwich mixed with a short stitch length will be incredibly frustrating because your stitches will not, your thread will break, it'll be like a whole thing and super, super annoying. And really all you have to do is have a longer stitch length. So I would say your usual patchwork stitch length is anywhere from like 1.8 to 2.4 millimeters. When I am straight line quilting, I'm using like a 3.5 to 3.8 length uh, for my straight line quilting. Now, fun fact, if you are free motion quilting, your stitch length should be zero. And the reason why we do that is really just to take some pressure off of the motor because whenever you have a stitch length set, your feed dogs will move. If you've dropped your feed dogs, we don't want them still moving. Even though they'll be like out of the way and they'll be lowered, the motor will be sending it power as if it were supposed to be moving. And we want to save all that power and we don't want to wear out your motor. So we want that stitch length to be zero. Um, some of your more electronic machines, once you set, pick all the appropriate settings in your machine for free motion quilting, will automatically turn that stitch length off. So that's something to think about. But for those of you who are using more basic or mechanical machines, you will have to set those things up for yourself. Um, and then last uh, setting on your machine that you're going to want to adjust is your tension settings. And that really is going to be test. I always take have a test set of the fabric sandwich that I'm going to be using so that um, – I can test the tension because that's another way that you can frustrate yourself and get snarls and just really take the fun out of quilting at home. Whew. Okay. Now, last but not least, let's talk about some helpful tools for machine quilting. Um, and really, there's two that I'm, I, I think of. So the number one, I would say, is the Supreme Slider, which is a Teflon sheet that you can put down that allows your quilt to glide more smoothly along your uh, tabletop. Now, my tabletop that I have, my husband built my, my table, and it is a solid wood table. But I have a cutting mat um, on the left side of my table, and it's a pretty awesome cutting mat. It's a, uh, what is it, Lori Holt for Riley Blake Designs cutting mat, which I'm obsessed with. It's like three times the thickness of like a Fiskars cutting mat. And it's just, it's 
everything. It's also incredibly non-slip, which I love because my fabric and my rulers don't skid around. But super bummer when I'm quilting because it's non-slip, meaning my quilt will not glide along it. So I can take it off, which sometimes I do. But more often than not, I just put the Supreme slider on it and it's like butter. Your quilt just glides over it. Now, some people say it doesn't make a big difference for them. Um, I think really what it will comes down to is what your surface of your table is like. Because some people's tables are pretty smooth and slick on their own. And so then they put the sheet down and they're like, I don't see a difference. And it's because you've got a pretty decent surface and that's kind of as good as it's going to get. But if you have something like mine where it's very anti-skid, that sheet is going to make a large difference for you. Um, And then something else, if you are uh, free motion quilting, quilting gloves are great. So they have non-slip fingertips, which allow you to get a really good grip on your quilt as you're moving it under your needle. Um, And it allows you to be like really sure about your motions, which um, is big. I like Machingers is the brand that I use, but there are several other brands out there. And again, I will link to all of this in the show notes. Okay, guys. So there you have it. That's kind of like the nuts and bolts of how to make your domestic machine work for you. And you'll notice that I didn't have you going out buying a ton of stuff. A lot of it was just settings and using stuff that you already have at home. So a quick recap of what we've gone over here today. So when you're setting up your workspace, we want to make sure that we have a large flat area and that could be achieved by having a sewing machine table where your sewing machine is flush with the tabletop. You can use an extension table. You can set up card tables and ironing boards around you. And all of this is to... Um, counteract the um, gravitational pull that will happen with your quilts. Uh, And then when you're setting up your machine, we'll want to adjust your stitch length depending on the type of quilting that you're going to be doing. Use the appropriate foot depending on the type of quilting that you're going to be doing. Uh, And then you'll want to adjust your pressure foot pressure, adjust your tension settings, and use the needle down feature if you have that option, and then also lower your feed dogs if you are freed motion quilting. And there are always additional helpful tools for machine quilting, and two of my favorites are using quilting gloves, such as like machingers, or use Supreme slider Teflon sheets to allow your quilt to glide better. Um, I will have all of this in the show notes at NicoleGilbertQuilts.com slash episode dash 46. I also have a PDF guide, which is setting up your machine for quilting checklist that you can download. And you can do that at NicoleGilbertQuilts.com slash episode dash 46 as well. Um, And guys, you have just finished another episode of the Stop Scrolling Start Sewing podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and make sure you never miss an episode by hitting subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Now stop scrolling and start sewing.